The Censored Thought Podcast is all about sharing and venting about our darkest moments from running a business in a landscape that is forever changing. On this monthly podcast, Jacob from Alderham will talk about personal experiences along with discussing with like-minded individuals about some of the obstacles they've had to overcome in their career. If we could give people a quick background into um, how Airflace came to be, because I remember when it first started, because it wasn't Airflace back then, um, yeah. and we worked together on the original branding for it. Um, mm-hmm. So it would be great to kind of hear what made you start it, um, and especially why then at such a young age. Um. Yeah. So originally, when it started, it was named, It was a. Uh, it was currently like branded as Lember Media. That was the original uh, idea, and it started when I was a senior in high school. Um, which is like, if we have any UK viewers, that's kind of like right before you go to university, right? Is that, is that how it, yeah. So, so over um, here we have sixth form and then university or college and then university. Um, so I, I don't know how the, the grading system works over there. Yeah. So we'll, whatever, we'll skip that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was in my senior year of high school, right before I was going to college and, um, I was always a sports guy and I had a friend on my baseball team who was very big into entrepreneurship and he currently goes to one of the best entrepreneurship schools in the United States um, for college. And so we kind of came together and he wanted to do more operations. Like he wanted to start more operations side of marketing and I wanted to focus on designing and, and things like that. So we came with the, came up with the idea that Limber Media would be something that we could both benefit from. Um, and originally, um, I got scammed. Uh, I remember like, this was back when I was like, I don't know, 17. So like, I didn't really know how any of this worked. And uh, I was very early um, and very new to like the whole design scene. So I got scammed by a pretty well-known designer. I'm not going to name names. We've squashed our beef since then. I'm not like that. Um, so, and then I came to Jacob. I remember like, I was like, dude, like you're not going to believe what happened. Like, uh, I got scammed like and and Jacob being the guy that he is and the designer that he was at the time he was pretty well known he had a nice a nice name in the industry and he helped me out and created Brandon completely free charge which like I still to this day thank him for and um yeah so that's just that's how that's how I got the ball rolling it's, it's a it's <laughs> crazy because I remember the exact minute minute because you were trying to thought everything out and then it was just going completely downhill um yeah. And I, I literally, I remember the, the, the Limber Media thing because I was trying to sell that as a pre-made. Um, and back then, I, I absolutely loved making pre-mades. And um, I don't know if, if you mm-hmm. your views on them have changed. Um, but I think as I've grown as a, as a designer, that I feel like they're the wrong way to go uh, in terms of brands. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's a, probably another topic that we can save for another day. Yeah. Um, but I think whilst we're on that subject, I think it would be good to know why you changed the name, um, yeah. and then why um, you did it quite sudden into starting the company. Mm-hmm. So basically, what it was, um, I had started. The company had been a few months old, and we had been doing really, really well. Like for someone who just, we were at the when we when I created Limber Media with my partner it was at the very forefront and beginning of like agencies that were like nowadays you've seen them, they're, they're popping up left and right every single day. Like, yeah, I agree. And, and they, and they last a month and then they're gone because kids don't know how to run them. They don't know how much it actually takes to run a business. And, um, 
we were a few months old and my business partner, he, he came to me on day and he was like, listen, like, I, I know you're passionate about this. Um, I'm more invested in other things. And I feel like if I want to run a business, I want to be 100% committed to it. So I said, you know what? Like, I respect that. Like we're still great friends to this day. It has not, no bad, no bad feelings at all towards that. Um, it just wasn't what he wanted to do. It wasn't his thing. So <clears throat> after a month, I'd say of that happening and me running it on my own, I kind of decided that I wanted to start fresh and I wanted to, create a company that was based solely off of my vision and solely off of um, people that I knew were going to be as invested in the company as I was. So I, <laughs> I know, you know, this story, but I sat on my iPhone notes for literally hours, hours, like trying to put different words together, trying to think of something original, trying to think of a name, trying to think of a way that we could brand ourselves and separate ourselves from these studios that pop up every now and again and just die off in a month. So I ended up putting the words after and lace together and it just sounded really cool to me when I said it. Um, so then I went and checked the socials immediately after and all of the original social apps are available. So I was like, that's a huge part of marketing and SEO for people who don't understand that is that if you have the original ads on all social media, it's easier to find you. So that's a big marketing tool. And I think that's what honestly, like when I was 18, 19, that's what stuck out to me was this, this, it just was a sign to me that I was going to change the name into this and brand it after that. And it was going to be my company with my vision. So I, I completely agree with you there is that. So when, even though my company is only a year old, it's like when I was starting it just over a year ago, the first thing I did was try and find the social accounts and instantly like there's i think there's instagram and twitter that's not available for all the home so i i was kind of thinking because i always wanted the business to be more than design um mm -hmm. and i think because if you if you limit it to just that it, it structures uh not structures it kind of limits the growth of the business and i realized that i think um to add the design on the end was the smartest thing just to get out there um with the sense of just if i wanted to make a um say an advertising side to it i can just have all the ham advertising all the ham games if i decide to open a game dev company um mm -hmm. just because that's what companies do like amazon has amazon uk amazon us i think it's it might just be amazon for um, well, it's, it's like they're kind of two separate things, but yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like because um, what was I remember what was what was very good when we were working on that original brand is that I think it was in a group chat and everyone was putting things back and forth and, yeah. and ideas and it was it's strange to see how everyone in the community's um, grown and like um, there's been a lot of changes in terms of. I think we've all matured in a way that's really good because back then like you said we were only 18 um i was probably 16 back then maybe um but there were so many agencies just popping up out of everywhere um yeah. and and what the problem is is that for me it didn't feel like a real thing until i registered the business name um exactly and that was like one of the first things i did yeah. I, I did that about a month after I decided to do it and then that's when it felt real um because then there's actual a legality to it and uh 
in a year's time I would have to pay taxes or whatever. And exactly, it, it gives you almost like a drive in a yeah. sense. <clears throat> Excuse me, but yeah, I remember when I because I've registered both like Affiliate and Limber Media, and it's a lot of so it takes a lot to like like actually register a business because it's like not only is there legalities involved, but like you have to pay taxes. Like it makes it official. Like it makes you be like, okay, I need to get the ball rolling now. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because yeah. for me it was like, I at that point I literally just graduated and I was, I was so like lost. It was unreal. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know how I am. I always have things planned out and know what I want to do. But yeah. That point when I graduated, it seems like about that stuff. Yeah. Honest to God, it was ridiculous. Like the literally, I I was on a night out. It was one of the craziest nights I ever had in my life. It was a bunch of um. So half of my class from the last year were from Germany, um. Because like the college that I was at has an agreement with a school over there, um. That in the final year, most of the students will come over, and it was ridiculous because we literally went to this house party and it was just, it was. I've never been so drunk in my life, put it that way. Um, and I came home, and it was just, it just hit me. And then I was, I was, I was sat there just thinking about what I could do next. And I thought about hyperfocus, and then I thought about um, doing like a, um, like a, a community kind of thing where it helps mm-hmm. designers. But I just felt like, in terms of my own growth, it would be easier if I did it on my own. Um, and you'll agree that there are certain decisions that you've got to make that really destroys you as a per- person um like mm-hmm. who's in the business who's not um and it's you don't really get prepared for that in a way yeah but that's that's a part of the struggle man mm-hmm. and i think that all those great businessmen and all those great ceos they they all went through things like that and i think you know as i've got older and and matured both business wise and just like in life, you, you realize that nothing that is going to be great comes without struggle. Like everything is going to have a start. There's going to be stepping stones. So you have to look at it as, you know, like this is going, yes, I may have failed. I may have done something wrong, but you, you, you take it as a lesson. You don't look at it as a negative thing. It's a, everything to me now. When I fail or something goes wrong, I go, you know what? I learned a lesson and that's more valuable to me than sitting and dwelling on the negative of what could have happened if I did things differently, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing, like especially like, and you'll understand that knowing like that you have your own business, like there's going to be things that set you back and there's going to be things that, push you forward and it's ironic because in the first six months i didn't land a single client um and 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 it's 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 crazy because when you're younger and you're going back to that pre-made thing is that when i was doing that i was getting messages on top of messages each day at work and it's when you have that mindset that you think you're going to succeed and you don't You've really got to try and stay positive. And there was a period where I didn't design for like three months. And it was probably like, if we if we say from like September to about November, I didn't <laughs> open any of the Adobe stuff, not once. That's and happened to me. It's getting out of that is the hardest bit. But when, But when you get out of that and then you still want to do the business... That's when it's fun. I agree. I and agree. It, it's, um, when you're doing it on your own, it's a lot scarier than people will think. 
like there's no one to turn to there's no one to just be like is this is this a good idea or not is it do you think i should do this do you think i should put this post out and do you think it'll do well um so just having that resilience i think has been you learn a lot about yourself in a way yeah and i think that structure sets you up for future endeavors as well like with the business i think that having that resiliency and that kind of chip on your shoulder attitude like as like a gary v would would say like you know what i mean like being able to fight through those obstacles by yourself like will only make it easier for you to conquer battles when you do have a team later on down the line you know i've been, I've been reading a lot of books lately um oh actually hold on <laughs> i'm gonna grab them right here so um i got russ's book i don't know if you actually like or i only bought i bought this because i'm a huge fan of russ's music and his personality and his confidence so but that that just like talks about everything that you were just talking about is like the ability to have confidence in yourself even when it seems like you have to think to yourself like tomorrow's the day i'm gonna blow up tomorrow's the day i'm gonna land that big client like and you have to go day by day with that attitude in order to like have that resiliency and the chip on your shoulder so mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll definitely read it i'm not the biggest fan of russ but um, yeah, I get, it. I get it. A lot yeah. of people. Aren't, so yeah, um, I've watched a few of his interviews. I think the one with is it Joe Budden? Um, uh, pull up the pull up podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed uh, it. I can, I can literally sit here and tell you every interview, every like, I yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same with certain artists for me. Um, there's times where I'll, I'll just sit and watch an interview just because of the way they talk about things. It's the same with like at the minute. I've I've been really invested in. Uh, Chris do um, I know Cameron is probably watching this proud of that um, but no he's a man <laughs> so yeah um, I think the next thing I wanted to kind of ask you is why did you turn it into a record label and why did you do it halfway through lockdown because that <laughs> is such a brave not brave but it's a reckless thing to do because it is such a different jump absolutely um, and especially when I, I thought of another question that I'll ask you afterwards, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, long story short, um, I've always been super, super passionate about music, and not a lot of people know this. Only, like, my close friends know this. No one, like, that I'm friends with, like, through design and business and things like that, just people that I deal with on a day-to-day basis um, really know this, but I've always been very, very, very big into music, super passionate about it. I love working with musicians. Um, I even write my, like I write my own songs. Like I write my own, it's therapy for me. Like as literally like NF would say, like it's literally therapy. Now it is like, it really is to me. And um, I've found myself so deeply embedded in music that I, I kind of had a realization that why don't I give it a shot? And really what the groundbreaking point was, was when I was at the China blue, like Seth, his name is Seth, but people just know him as the China blue. I was at Seth's apartment one night at like 2 a.m. And he took an interest in me in sort of like um, a business standpoint, like after we had hung out like a lot, like when he'd come to my school and, and we'd hang out and stuff. But he took an interest in me and like wanted to like learn more about business because that's the part of his brand that was lacking. He lacked like marketing and, and he just needed somebody. He needed a right-hand guy, basically. And... um I was at his apartment and he kind of we had a great night discussing things that I think would help his business like both like in the outer world and like internally as well like organization things like that and you know at the end of the night like I drove him to the gas station to get something and he was like 
So like, would you be my manager? Like literally just like that. Like sounded like a little kid. He sounded like a little kid asking. Um, and I was like, uh, what? And we just had a discussion about it. And I was like, let me think about it. Cause I don't want to jump into something that I've never done before and like ruin your career. Like, you know what I mean? Or just make decisions that would like harm your business and your brand. Like, because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so I thought about it and literally I saw him the next day and he was like, so did you think about it? Like, literally he's such like a, if you know him, then you know, it's like, that's just how he is. He's so like goofy. And, um, I thought about it and I was like, you know, like this has got to be a sign. I was literally thinking about this the other day. Like, why don't I try to do something with music? And when he asked me that, I took it as a sign, like, just, just go for it. Like send it, like, don't, don't ever like sit here and, and act like this isn't something that you haven't been passionate about for years. So I'm still designing. Don't get that wrong. I'm still, that's still a passion of mine. I'll always do that on the side as well. Um, it'll always be a main thing to me. Um, but it just happened that I wanted to do it. And I, I ended up just saying, you know what, like, we're going to go for it. I'm going to start the rebranding now. Literally that night, I remember like sketching up a bunch of stuff and, yeah. So did you design stand. it all yourself? The branding, the new branding. Yeah. 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 Right, okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that's also another thing is like I've always wanted a company that because you you not only did you do the Limber Media branding but you also did the original Atlas branding. Yeah. And still the best branding I've got to date from a client. Like just just gonna throw that out there. Um, the files were organized. <laughs> like, it was, it was so nice. Yeah. And nothing against like your branding, your branding is fantastic. Like I just wanted my own company to like, I wanted to have that, that feeling of, I did this. Like I made yeah, the branding. Like, I, I get that completely. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's, I got the same film from when I did my book last year is that I didn't want anyone to proofread it. I didn't want anyone to edit it. I didn't want anyone to design it. I wanted to do it all myself because there's a, there's a, there's a buzz that you get from when you have it in your hand or have your business card in your exactly. hand and says that that's mine and yeah, my name's that on it. Feeling, yeah, that feeling to me is like super important and I've always wanted that. Even though I know that my branding isn't on the scale of some people. Like I know, like you know what I mean? Like what, I know that, So, but I wanted to do that. Um, did, did it feel like a, a 180 or a natural turn? It felt like a natural turn, but it definitely did feel like a little bit of a 180. Like I, it felt natural making that rash decision. Um, and maybe that's just the way I am. I've always made decisions like that. Very rash and very, if I want something, I'm going to go get it regardless of how crazy it sounds to somebody. So do you feel uh, like that you've got a, I don't know if you do this, but when I make a decision, I go out of my way to tell people about it because then it becomes real. Um, because oh yeah. If I if I keep it to myself, then there's always going to be that doubt. But then, say if I if I wanted to do something with my business, and then I go downstairs and tell my parents, and then Absolutely. two days from then, if I haven't done anything, and they're like, "Oh, how's this going on?" You feel like you're behind a little bit. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I undoubtedly do that every time I have a certain decision that regards like a change in the business or a change in whatever it may be branding or whatever. Um, I always do that just to ensure the fact that like, I know that this is real. Um, I never like to this day though, like I'll never do that for the sense of, okay, like now that I said that it has to be real because like, once I believe something, like I believe it, I'm going to do it. I don't, mm -hmm. it's just like, that's how I've been. Like I've always been like that regardless of like, like, I mean, like you said, like it was reckless, like in the middle of a mm -hmm. pandemic, like middle of a pandemic, I was yeah. just like, 
I'm going to completely restructure my business, my business model, like the whole entire vision of it. Like, um, but I, that's, that's how I felt at the moment. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I had that spark of life and I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Like there's no sense in waiting, like just attack it immediately. So what's, what's probably like, um, true though, is that you probably had those thoughts for a while. And yeah, I internally, think, I would say, yeah, I think, I don't know if you thought this way and it was what I was going to ask before is that with the pandemic, I honestly thought the music industry would boom in terms mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. dreams. Uh, vi- I don't think videos would have boomed, but I think like the way music is used. Um, and yeah. I think we saw that with like how artists started doing the, the pop-up concerts on Instagram and stuff like that. And I yeah, think what I wanted to ask is that... <laughs> I think I wanted to main, I ask is, do you think um, that... The fact that there's been no concerts has allowed artists to really focus on their uh, like discography in a way. So yeah, I definitely do because I think that the the hub of creativeness for most artists comes when it's two a.m. and they're by themselves in their room trying to write. Um, I think that when you're building your discography or um, just your your song in, in general, that's a big thing. I know that um, I, I keep quoting Russ, but he's just like the only one that's like relevant in terms of like speaking upon this is like you can't you could have five or six songs out. And if people like those five songs, like and you don't have any more songs than that, they can't become a true fan. So I think that during the pandemic, it opened up a lot of artists eyes in terms of like being able to get in touch with their craft and work on their craft. It's the same thing with design, same thing with anything, you know, like you're literally not able to do anything else, but distract yourself with things that you enjoy because the only thing that you find joy in other than like your design and your business is like you, you, you probably can't do cause you can't really go outside. You can't, you can't meet up with people. You can't, so I think that it definitely was good for artists to be able to practice their craft and like learn some things about themselves, like maturely and things like that. So yeah, for sure. So what I also want to know is how did you approach the change of the business and how, is there any setbacks and fears you had? Um, yeah, I think that um, a setback and a fear, I'll start with that, that just to get like, that the ball rolling on that i think that setback and a fear that people would just label it as like okay like it seems like he's changing the business too much he does he's not sure what he wants to do like and i can understand that like i can see that that side that that standpoint um and viewpoint from people but you know i know that this is something i've always wanted to do i know deep down that um i even have a tough time making decisions in certain aspects like with my personal brand like i still use the logo that you made for me that's so funny <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> now that we're talking about I just it, made, made everything <laughs> yeah um but i remember before i went to you like i was having i know callum made a logo for me like a while ago callum finn obviously you know callum finn right i think he's using the chat as well yeah so he made a logo for me like I was all over the place with making decisions like that. I could never find that true, true, like, this is it. Like, I wanted this. Like, you know what I mean? Until you made my logo. And I think that that's what my initial fear was with the company was that people were going to be like, he is unsure of what he wants and it shows. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, the way that I changed the business was obviously started completely fresh with the new branding. Um, always marketing on social media is about like big announcements that are coming. Like when you're changing is huge. I invested some money in, um, advertisements and working with a couple of guys that we had on the athletes design team originally to get like a video done for promotion about like the change. Um, and I felt like, I honestly felt like I owed people a sit down conversation, which I'm sure you saw that video, like the two minute video that I posted on Instagram live and mm -hmm. Twitter as well. Um, I just felt like I owed people that conversation and that face to face because I want to be more personable. I want people to know that I'm here to like, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel you on that sense because in the year that I've been running the business in maybe the first 10, 11 months, well, all up until like maybe the last three weeks, I'd never really put myself out there as um, the owner. It was more of an account than anything. And so throughout lockdown, I've really been trying to get comfortable with trying to do it on a business level because I've always, and you know this, I've always shared my mental health stories and always yeah. talked about stuff like that. But when you do it as a business or someone who runs a business, you instantly kind of create that um, area for someone to judge you. And that I know that goes against everything that I've ever kind of said because, you know, what, like when I was younger, I used to walk into a job and say I had ADHD and it would switch instantly, the mood of it. And so I, I kind of had to not prepare myself but kind of put myself in the right frame of mind that yeah i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do it now and then if anyone doesn't like that then they can get stood on in a way but i think that for me it's just doing it in a way that feels natural and not forced as being a difficult thing i think that's why podcast this podcast and streams will be so beneficial um in getting that across to people yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can resonate with that. Like having the ADHD thing. Um, I know like my, my current girlfriend right now, she has ADD, like really, really bad. She gets distracted and stuff and she cannot like focus on one thing. She doesn't have her medication and things, but, um, she, she, she battles with it well. And, uh, also like me personally, like I, I also have epilepsy. I'm pretty sure you're aware of that. Um, my sister has I it. yeah, I have epilepsy and like, it's something that I've dealt with like my entire life. And like, so like the having that ability where like, yes, like I understand you're almost creating a personality, a new personality for yourself through the business. Like I get what you're saying. It's open for people to judge you, but in all honesty, like I think personally, it's better to have, it's better to be personable as a business than be quiet about certain things and be a robot. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the way I've always looked at it because there's always going to be people who don't like what I have to say, or there's always going to be people who, are judging me for certain things. So I'm willing to accept that as long as I can like, like influence a few people to like actually like agree with what I'm saying, or just to even like have a conversation. Like, you know what I mean? So um, I'm totally fine with people judging me. I'm totally fine with people having negative things to say. Like that comes, that comes with the business that comes with being open about how you feel about certain topics. So. I mean, it, it comes with anything though, because the minute you say, I'm going to do something or I feel this way because you know we talked about this before before we started the the call and stream that 
we now live in a in a society where if you say something and no one agrees with you, you're instantly wrong. You're cancelled yep. instantly. Um, yep. And I think that's probably been the hardest part of it all because if I say this is what I'm going through and someone basically says, no, you're not, then yep. it it's, opens the argument. And there's so many things that I see on a daily basis. And even now I can open my phone and see an argument going on between um a bunch of people that has nothing to do with me but it's so easy to access it because there's no protection or anything like that yeah for sure um i think it definitely complicates things um a lot but there's also positive things about it you know what i mean like being able to give your opinion and being able to just have a conversation with another human like that's, mm -hmm. that's a big part of life like is networking and and you know like listening to people and hearing people's thoughts like you can't be an open-minded person and not be willing to sit down and have a conversation with somebody who thinks differently than you do um mm -hmm. and i think that's a big part of like when i have when i started to mature like getting into college and, and like going through life experiences that i went through in college oh excuse me <clears throat> um is being able to understand that just because somebody has a different mindset or a different way of thinking than you do doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make like people are just different. They were, they were made different. So like being able to have those open-minded conversations, like it has helped me grow like both like spiritually and just like in like a mental aspect to think mm -hmm. about things and, and analyze situations. So, yeah. 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 I know we got a bit off topic there, but um, I wanted to kind of, see or hear from you how does AFLS work in terms of signing artists and publishing songs because as someone who has been through the process of putting things on Spotify um, not only mm. is a podcast but I mess around with like beat machines and making beats and stuff like that for a bit of fun and decided yeah. to put it on Spotify like a year ago and took them off um, I know how complicated that is I, I think I went through DistroKid yeah um, there's, there's two big 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 boys right now in the industry and DistroKid is one of them and the other one that's probably i would say is a little more popular is TuneCore. they both have they're both similar really similar but there's like little things about certain companies that like they do things differently like i know that when i talk to seth and we go over his like distribution uh plan um it's he uses DistroKid just because they offer different things than TuneCore. i think TuneCore might be a little more expensive and I think when I checked, it was about twenty quid, which I don't. I think that's about thirty dollars. Yeah, um, and I think what it is is like DistroKid has certain plans that like you can just pay for the year and upload like unlimited amount of things. Um, and if you want to buy certain features, like I know that he has a plan where it puts all of his songs on like TikTok, Instagram, music when you're going to post a story um snapchat like it's able to be shazam like things like that like those are that those is, are that is huge there's that's times huge. that's there's times where like logic's released a snippet and it's meant to be coming out that week and i've shazammed it on my phone and then seeing it's it's got a name to it and then exactly. the whole reddit the whole reddit goes crazy because there's a new song on the way um yeah it's, it's a great marketing tool so i, I think, think that's why he uses it whilst we're on that topic um what's your thoughts on tiktok and the whole um look how uh there was a song that was released this year um roddy i don't know why i forgot it but it by roddy rich the box, the box. Not, yeah yeah I've, I've became such a big fan of his throughout lockdown um yeah. i was i was already a decent fan 
um, through please. Uh, please excuse me for being yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I've gone back. So what I do with every artist is that I, if I find an album that I like, mm -hmm. I'll go back through their whole album like history and yep. dig dive into it. Um, I'm Absolutely. in the process of doing that with Paul G right now. Um, I've yeah. literally just listened to. I think it's is it? Um, Don't believe the hype. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, I've, I've yeah. just wow. finished listening to that. Really. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I feel like um, the way TikTok is structured, um, regardless of all the stuff that's in the news about spyware and stuff, um, I think it's such a a brilliant way for artists to get more plays on songs and get their name out there. Absolutely. Um, yep. And I'm I'm really interested to see if if any um, up and coming artists have really like dived into just making like a song purely for TikTok. Um, it's funny you say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I know personally through just like um, I'm, I work with a lot of musicians outside of Seth. Um, just like whether it's like design stuff or, and some of them are fairly well known. Um, and I know people who now are starting to consider making songs purely because they think that this could be a hit on TikTok. So. Um, my thoughts on TikTok overall, I have nothing but positive things to say about that app in terms of marketing. Um, it does wonders for musicians and, and there's no way that you can doubt that statistically. Like it's literally like if this is my personal opinion, but in, in terms of statistics, it's right now the best way to market your music. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at people like Joseph Black, um, if you look at people like Paufu, I don't know if you know who either of those guys are. I've heard um, of them. Um, Fu is a promoting sounds guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of the promoting sounds YouTube channel or, um, it's oh, basically, yes, like, yes, have, yeah. yeah, it's like the Christo of music. Like they just promote underground artists. And, um, I wouldn't say the Christo of music, I guess that's a kind of bad comparison, but promoting sounds does that. And he was a promoting sounds guy. Same thing with Arizona service, the song Roxanne. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously, you know what happened with Roxanne that blew up on TikTok. That was like the first TikTok song. Um, Joseph Black was a guy who made the song. Have you ever heard the song? You have TikTok, right? You use it. Use the app. I have the app, but I don't use it. Um, have you ever heard the song? I hope you miss me. You miss me. I know you I laugh, but I know you won't forget me. Do you know that? You know what I'm talking uh, about? No, if don't. you heard it, if you heard it, you would know. Let me just like, let me just find it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I just think there's a market that, and I, I feel like. Because, you know, if, if we posted a song on Twitter or even on... If I was to play a song right now on stream, it would yeah. get copyrighted. And what I, I'm interested in to see is whether a few months down the line, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, is the these publishers... Yeah. Not not the big artists, but the, the publishers and the labels coming after these people who use the songs. Yeah, I think that... I think that eventually you'll see that, but I don't think that's a smart move being a label owner myself. And I know I'm, I'm very, very new to the industry in terms of being a label owner, but I would never, people don't understand is that like, it's free marketing. Like it's free marketing. People don't get that. Like, you know what I mean? When, for example, like free marketing, anything like the Avengers literally released their, um, Marvel trailer for Endgame. I really try to be my best when you was with the non-copyrighted so that anybody could repost it. I know you let, but I hope it's free marketing. Millions of people are repost. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so I think that eventually some greedy 
label owner is going to be like, ah, no, we want like money for you using our songs. And I get it in certain, some, in like some instances, but TikTok, I just think it would just be a waste of time like for you to do that. I think that, um, just even as someone who only has like 80 followers on Twitch, barely has an average five views. I've made like a stream where I was just listening to music mm-hmm. and all different kinds of music. And it's it's funny because I give credit to the artist. I have the name above my webcam and, yep. and I've got copyright claim the minute I finish that stream and people can't go back and watch those streams. I think that we need to, as like a industry, I think they need to like understand that like, say, say you're listening to an artist that's very popular in the United States, it's not popular, like we're not as popular in the UK. That's five to 10 to 20 more fans that you're going to get who statistically, if your music is kind of top tier and you're, and you have very good music are going to be fans. You mm-hmm. need to understand that. Like, I know when you're at a level of Drake or when you're at a level of, like these certain titans of the music industry, as you would call them, like five to 10 fans doesn't matter. But when you're at a level, like, like say Joseph black, who, or like, um, Haofu, who literally from TikTok got on the top 100 billboard charts with their songs simply off of TikTok. Do I think the songs are great? hundred percent. That's not about it. But to say that these, these artists would have been as big or to say that TikTok didn't help them get like the exposure that they did would just be like a straight out lie. And I think that um, it's giving these kids like a lot of opportunity to like to grow and to like actually get their music heard. Like for example, like the Joseph Black kids signed a, a deal with um, I think it was it could be Interscope. I'm not sure. It was one of the major labels in the Pofu guy. Um, if you look at the song on Spotify right now, I believe it has around 400 million streams. The song Deathbed, uh, have you ever heard that song? Deathbed, it has just under 500 million. So that, yeah, that yeah. song, the, have you ever heard it? It's a song that's like, don't stay awake. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's so. a huge TikTok song. It's like a sad TikTok song almost. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Um, yeah yeah (laughs) that was so annoying yeah it's not to say that he wouldn't have signed a record label i will never go on record never talk about anybody like that publicly and say their music isn't good enough to have them signed by somebody but it he signed a a record label shortly after releasing that song with columbia records like that's a major label like that's that you're talking that those are the big boys you know what i mean would his earnings have been different i don't know i don't know the the reality is how artists earn money off songs, but would yeah. if he released that song independently, um, would he have still earned money from it, and would it be a lot more if it was through a label? So, what are you asking? If after he is signed, will he still earn money from the song if you release it independently? Yeah, would they claim that song or no? So basically, yeah. So basically, what it is is. It all depends on the contract that they give you, but 99% of the time what labels will do is they'll throw a big sum of money at you uh, as a yearly as a yearly um, salary. They'll be like, okay, we're going to pay you XYZ amount of dollars, and what is going to entitle that is we're going to distribute your music, 
publish it. Um, like we're gonna like all that, the marketing stuff that comes with that because they, they know everybody, they know how to get people in, in complex music and pigeons and planes and in all these big blogs and magazines. Um, they offer all that. And in return, it's probably an ownership stake in the discography, like the discography of artists. So I know, for example, a lot of artists will try to negotiate that they want to own the discography of songs that they have released before they sign. But 99% of the time when you have an artist like that who may be established off of those one or two or three popular songs, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. They, they'll, they'll make a lot more money independently than they would with... Um, that's only speaking if like they continue the success rate, though. Like mm-hmm. It's definitely to say that like having Columbia Records to back you up will significantly push you more than being independent if you only have one or two hit songs. Like So it's kind of a give and take. It all depends on what you want. I know personally from artists that I've worked with and like learned from like um, the China blue, like he's very serious about creative control. He, he, he really takes that personal and as well as a bunch of other musicians. Uh, so if anyone ever tried to negotiate a deal, whether it was a big record label or whether it was just anybody, it could be me, like where I took an ownership stake in his discography, he would, he would, he would literally laugh at it. Like he wouldn't, it's like a big thing with artists to be able to have ownership and rights to their music. And I think that's why <laughs> that's why Russ is winning. That's why he's, mm-hmm. that's why people can hate him. Millions of people can hate him and he's still worth $30 million just because and- he owns the right to 300 songs that he dropped before even having a partnership with Columbia records. So on that note, um, so logic is very, very similar. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I, th- I don't know how exactly it works, but I think he's signed to Visionary, but then he's also signed to Def Jam. And yeah, there's different types of uh, signings that you can do. Um, do you want me to speak on that? Is that? Um, I think it leads into the next question: Is that how involved are you with the artists? Um, okay. And in what way? Um, so, what's the difference between like? independent label and then i don't know how to word it but um, i know exactly what you're gonna ask yeah. so i think that yeah What's so the I'll difference start with, in a way? yeah i'll start with that because that's a very common misconception that people don't understand is the difference between an independent record label and a record label in general is simply the fact that if you're not an independent record label, you're most likely a subsidiary of a major label or a huge company. So for example, um, let's say Atlantic Recording Corporation or uh, Universal Music Group like will own certain record labels. Like there's record, la- I know that Interscope may own a record label and someone may own Interscope. The difference is just like being owned by a different record label or a different company. An independent record label um, is someone like, do you know who the 1975 are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> yeah, so they're You're so big over signed. here. They have their yeah, they have their own record label. They're signed to a guy. Their manager founded the record label. It's called Dirty Hit, and um, that is an independent record label. Who yes, they may have um a publishing deal with another record label or um something like that, but they're not physically owned by another record label. No one has ownership stake. That guy personally owns the record label and they're a part of that. So that's what the difference is, is just basically being a subsidiary of either a different company or another label. 
Oh, okay. Um, and then um, I'll dive into the like how I deal with artists if that's what you wanna. Yeah, I think because that's I think one of the things that's not made clear to me as a listener is that you you scroll down on Spotify and see published by blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and then you don't understand of like you don't hear about who they are until you say like share a video of that on twitter and then you get a copyright claim or whatever yeah um but it, it leads me into um that conversation about twitch is that um i think there's so many artists that have said um you're fine to play our music but then the labels have still gone behind the backs and struck people's channels it's the same yep. with youtube and it's um, I think YouTube's a lot worse than Twitch in the sense that I've seen people who I've actually seen artists stream on Twitch and YouTube and stream their own music mm-hmm. and then get copyrighted by their own label, um, which is, is just crazy in itself. Yeah, and that's part of the that's part of like people being in a three hundred and sixty deal, which is what like the industry likes to call it, where you're just getting basically screwed out of like being able to use your own music, like. I know that um, if I wanted to give you an example, a good one would be Scooter Braun. Do you know who Scooter Braun is? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing you're going to talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you like, about that. Um, yeah, because obviously that's a lot of her catalog. Like that's a, a global thing. Um, and it, it, when I saw that, um, at the time I was writing my second book, and I, one of the chapters, which I, I'll never ever release, it was basically about um, how things... Uh, copied but then taken that bit further um and i, I was because back in the summer i was listening to a lot of old boom bap and where samples are really a big thing um mm-hmm. you know like wu-tang and the fujis and all them all that yeah. even outcast and i was listening mm-hmm. to a lot of music and how it's inspired today but then mm-hmm. i was also thinking about design and how colors uh are not stolen but taken from inspiration and yeah. i realized that in terms of um, music and the way people own music, um, and I think Logic said it as well. I know, I know we keep mentioning Russ and Logic, but he said mm-hmm. that um, when he made um, Can I Kick It, the people who own the original song tried to claim that 100%, even though he never like sampled anything or anything like that. It's just the name of the song. And yeah. maybe the little bit of a bridge on the chorus... I don't know if that's the right word to use, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a tough, that's a tough thing being a musician and sampling. Um, I know that there's been a lot of artists that sample, uh, but you know, sampling is sampling. Like you were allowed to use 30 seconds of somebody's music or somebody's thing without you being copyright striked, especially if you like hinder it, not hinder it. That's not the right word. I don't want to make it sound negative. I'd like, or change it or add things to it or take things away from it. That's allowed. That's a common thing. Every musician does that for the most part. So, so when, say, go ahead. when they make that song, does then that have to get cleared by someone? Yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. For example, um, I can, you know who Juice World is? Yeah, yeah, of course. One of his, uh, he's been, he, he's still being sued even though he's oh, passed away. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know that song. $15 million dollars from that company. And it like doesn't even sound that similar at all. Like it just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, there was the, um, um, what was it, the Pharrell Williams situation as well. It, it's, it, it's everywhere. And Katie Perry as well. Yeah, it happens all the time with 
musicians and you know what it is is it's musicians who aren't as uh it stealing music and things definitely does happen in the industry i'm not going to say that it doesn't it definitely does um but sampling's different i think that you know like people are some people are like totally cool with them sampling their music and then some people i think are just after money i think that's uh, for me it's a nostalgia um, thing because i can it, get that too though i can get that that sense of like you worked hard on this to create an original piece or you worked hard on this and that's that's a personal song to you and like you don't want people to be like using it in some sort of way that you didn't want it to be portrayed like i get that i can understand that too so i guess times there's times where i've like heard a sample and like for example i think it's drake's i'm upset where he samples uh is it uh lauren hill Mm -hmm. and as soon as i heard that i was like who's that and i went back and i thought i saw it was her and i was like oh i've listened to loads of her songs before and then listened to um i can't remember the album she has one album which is everywhere um Mm -hmm. um or i think it's the myth uh representation of lauren hill um Mm -hmm. and i I remember just listening to that for a week all because of the sample and then forgetting about drake's music (laughs) even though (laughs) he's dropped an album um, yeah, he's, um, he's definitely one of the, it's just, it's, it's, it all depends, you know, like whether you're looking for money or not. I mean, if Drake comes to you and he's like, can I use 30 seconds of your song? Like no one's really going to turn it down because it's Drake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be, cause nine times out of 10, he, he mostly gives credit and sometimes he doesn't like, I don't know if you know this, but party next door does like, I don't know if he writes, he, he writes a lot of his songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Do you know who party next door is? Yeah, of course. Yeah 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 so um and it's just it's, it is what it is like sampling sampling but there's a difference between sampling and downright copying someone's idea mm-hmm. so as long as you're doing it with good intentions and you're doing it by the book like no one should really be that upset about it i don't think like just let artists create the way that they want to create and if they want to do something creative with somebody else's idea before like the best way i can explain it to like just sum it up in a short sentence is like Google doesn't own Yahoo money because they're a search engine. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you can't patent the idea of using certain things. Now I get maybe if you copy lyrics word for word and like, did you see, did you see that thing at what's run about lyrics? Did you see the thing from Google a while back? So they uh, got found out for, of stealing lyrics genius. Um, so what genius did was put something in the code that when they copy it, it puts a lot of glyphs in between the words. They just ended up showing up on Google. I'll put it in the chat. Uh, and they tried. Um, wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> it was it was funny because like there was one day. Um, yeah, Genius sues Google of allegedly over stolen song lyrics. Fifty million. Um, wow. I'll, I'll drop it in the chat. Uh, even though that's chump change to them, but still. Yeah, but it, it's still like, yeah. to have that algorithm though in place, just wow. to know that Drop someone's it. copying it. Uh, even, yeah, that's, that's wild. That's funny though. Genius is funny for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's mental how that's probably been going on longer than we were aware and then oh for sure for sure yeah and one day they were just like hang on a minute google's got lyrics and pretty much identical but then yeah. i guess it opens up the question about how do they own the lyrics no which makes you think of 
are they right to do that in the first place mm-hmm. or cur- or can they like like get in trouble over that like it's not really i know i think what it, what it really was was more of a statement to say like you're a billion dollar company and you can't do the 10 seconds of research to like just like look at a song like on an artist discography and literally copy and paste the lyrics you have to go to another company who is founded on the fact where they do videos like behind the lyrics and they're founded for being like they're known is what i should say for being that company that really gets the lyrics right every time you know what i mean like really never misses a beat on that and but i think that's also because Venus is known for artists directly uploading their own songs. I don't know if they can, but there's times where, like, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Jack Harlow when he released his latest album. Yeah. He did a whole breakdown of his entire album. And that was probably recorded well before the album came out. Well, for so sure. So they had them. Yeah. They had them yeah. Yeah. So um, if, if there was one artist, and I know you probably might burn a few bridges with this um if there was, <laughs> if, if there was one artist that you could sign um who would it be and why could i answer in a sense where like can i give one artist that i would sign that's in mainstream and then one that's kind of like underground yeah you could yeah all right um, so one artist that, that I would... it would be Go interesting ahead. because i think there's a lot of grey areas because if if there's someone that you want to sign that you know personally, I think that will happen. But with it being mainstream, yeah. I think that's a few a few years away. In yeah, a sense, sure. yeah. Um, definitely the one person mainstream that I would want to sign is NF, and I think it's uh, because I know that's like a very uncommon answer for people, but one his music's like therapy to me. So I feel like if I was to like just be able to know him personally like i could get a better sense as just like how he worked and i feel like we would work really well together yeah um and i like the fact that he has like a cult following he got um, snubbed this year at the grammys for sure of course he did like they, they'll never look at him as in a sense where because everything's mainstream like he literally what? chance the rapper who was probably one of the biggest names in the music industry released an album i think it was the same day and he came in at number two and nf came in at number one simply off the but fact the that like album was rubbish though and that, that i uh chance the rappers it was big day yeah it got like, so much slack um yeah. i love my wife Definitely kind of thing different. it was different i think people hyped him up in a sense where like they had expectations where they thought it was going to be another coloring book yeah, because he's um, Kanye's prodigy, so it's what you expect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, I didn't think it was trash. I thought it was good, but I thought... It, There's some good I'm, songs on there, for sure. But I'm just an advocate just think... for, for artists like going out of their like comfort zone and, and trying to be different, and I think that that's what he was experimenting with on the big day. And I think that's why he pushed it as much as he could, because I knew for a fact that it was important to him that, like he pushed like the the persona that like he was trying to be different than his normal music um i think you've got to consider though is that with someone with chance's background um you can tell that he was really proud of it um absolutely even when he got like trashed on for it by like major labels and stuff i'm not major labels i'm major like music blogs and things um but 
he, he doesn't really have anything to worry about. <laughs> like, like in terms of like that, like people can trash his music, but at the end of the day, like he seems like a very positive guy and not really much affects him, at least from what he, from what he portrays on social media and interviews and things. So as long as he's happy with it and he feels like he can influence and affect people with the album, then that's really all that matters. It seems like, um, but just, yeah, back to NF, like, I think that given that cult following, he could really, he could just, he seems like a really good guy to work with. And I think that just having that cult following could really make his business, like, boom. Like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing as, same thing as Russ, like, is a sense where, like, yeah, like, many people may not even, like, many people hate Russ. Like, they hate Russ. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think he, NF is completely different to Russ in the sense that... No, no, absolutely, but I'm saying so, in the Because I think Russ, and I, I think this is... So every artist has that one song that's everywhere. NF had, um, or oh, what was it? Let me down. Yeah, let me down. Logic mm-hmm. had one eight hundred. Yeah, I've not heard of anything by Russ on the radio, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is because you probably might, you might hear him on the radio all the time because he's an American yeah. artist. Yeah, but when a song is really really popular, yeah, it's on the UK radio as well, especially Absolutely. if it's American. Like mm-hmm. I I've, I was in my car yesterday and the first thing that came on was Jack um, Harlow's What's Poppin' with Will Win and that's been out a matter of days. Oh, the remix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think from a standpoint, I think Russ needs. I don't think he should go out and sell like sell out on purpose, but I think when he gets that song that's everywhere, um, I think that's when he'll. I think he has that song though, and I think that song is Civil War. The song that like Rihanna co-signed with and and like I do I think it's as big as what's poppin' or one eight hundred? Absolutely not. But I think that that was like his attempt at and he didn't even like if you watch interviews, that wasn't even like a good song that he was gonna release. Like he just released that to be like whatever week six of song or whatever. But I think that the difference between like what I was trying to say, like in the similarities is that like he may be hated or he may, people may not know who he is, but he's still selling out the Staples arena. Like he's still going to Portugal in Brazil and doing 14,000 people at a show. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And NF is that like NF is the epitome of that, except like not a lot of people hate him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to do that, that holds serious value because that's where the long-term money is, is being able to tour and being able to do shows. And I think that they both hold this crazy like like you could name your top five rappers right now other than logic and like you know like the top 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 tier like rappers and artists polo g like gunna um like those guys right now they're not selling out staple centers Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they're still doing smaller shows where maybe a thousand two thousand max or they're doing venues at the club for 20 grand like quick cash because they can't sell a staples arena they can't sell that many tickets do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i think that's why for the main we got so off topic it's, it's, but like i know yeah. <laughs> we seem to be doing that but i think even when you say that though is that like people who are a household name in music like Nicki minaj struggles mm-hmm. to sell tickets tickets i think she could yeah i think it's tough because Nicki minaj like when she was at her prime like when she was releasing like super bass and in starships and things like that she was probably that that song is still incredible 
yeah, those those songs are are like going to be around twenty years from now. You know, like um, I think that she. It's not that she's not in her prime, but I think that as of right now, this is my personal opinion. I think that she is working with a lot less than she was before in terms of like her attention. Do I think? I think honestly, she's top two, top three rappers lyrically and gifted all time and women's like all time like no doubt about it in my mind um i just think that right now i don't think if she released an, a solo album with like rarely any features like that she would pop as much as she would back then like in terms of like you know what i'm saying when mm-hmm. she released those songs do you uh, think the drama is um part of that problem or because every time you hear a name it's usually in like a a negative way like the Travis Scott situation yeah the, with Mill thing um, Cardi B situation mm. um yeah 69 situation um not that that's a negative thing but everywhere he goes there's usually some sort of drama um there's something to be said yeah i think that that's a marketing tool now i think that people love to create it's you see it everywhere you see it on youtube you see it on social media you see it through influencers and i think that's what they realize is that the beef and like that that dramatic um cause of oh like he did me dirty she did me dirty he did this she did that like it sells when your name is talked about whether it's a positive or negative thing it entices people to want to know who you are it entices people to want to dig into you and your past i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you have any questions feel free to leave a comment or reach out to us on our social media accounts i'll catch you next time